Hey everyone, I am so excited to share with you two upcoming opportunities to grow yourself personally and professionally. I've got two new virtual workshops that will be coming up in January 2021. You can uh, choose either one of them. One of them really has a focus for personal and professional growth for women. And the other one is going to be a focus on time management, which is I know it's one of the things that I hear so many people say is they need help with learning how to manage time better. And so both opportunities are going to be virtual via Zoom. That's the wonderful thing about technology is we can reach people um, all over the place, all over the United States, all over the world through virtual sessions that will help us grow. I'm going to be covering the material from a couple of my different um, books in each of these workshops, and you're going to get the copy of the book themselves um, when you register for the workshop. So two great opportunities coming up. I know you're interested in, in developing yourself and personal growth, and these are going to be some great opportunities to do that. So looking forward to seeing you all on the workshops. You can get details on both of them, find registration information, all that good stuff. Go to riastory.com forward slash workshop. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast, a podcast designed to help you become the woman and leader you are destined to be. Um, I'm super excited about today's episode because I have a special guest. Rachel Francine um, is our guest today, and she's got some cool concepts and things to share that I know are really going to add value um, to you. And so I know I learned some things from her and, um, it's just kind of super exciting when I can invite someone to come on the show and, and really, um, add value to you as well. So a little bit about Rachel. Um, Rachel is a frequent speaker on building preferable futures, innovation, best practices, women in technology, and music as medicine for such diverse organizations as the United Nations Professional Golfers Association, the Association of Professional Futurists, and the American Society on Aging. Rachel began working in interactive technologies in 1996 as a member of the CitySearch.com New Markets team, and she spent over 15 years converting brick-and-mortar products into scalable digital solutions for companies like Ticketmaster, Cars.com, Warner Brothers, the Dallas Morning News, um, CollegeStudent.com, and Al Gore's current TV. Rachel was disappointed with the trajectory and goals of the commercial technology sector. So in 2009, she earned a master's degree in futures studies from the University of Houston with a focus on transformational e economics in order to build organizations that produce quadruple bottom line results. Upon graduation, Rachel co-founded Music Health Technologies, whose award-winning product, SingFit Prime, brings music as medicine to over 500 long-term care communities in 43 states. Rachel has been featured in Forbes Magazine, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the Houston Chronicle and Fast Company. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rhea, uh, for having me here today. I really appreciate it. I'm excited about our, our conversation and I know I first talked to you about a month ago mm -hmm. and just since and that was a fabulous conversation where I've just I, I want to dig more into some of the things that we were shared in your bio the sing fit mm -hmm. particularly and things like that but um, since that conversation just a month ago you've had some very exciting news you recently won an award tell us about mm -hmm. that. 
So yeah, there were, it was, October was definitely a big month in terms of, of awards. I, I guess I won one um, that was uh, the She For All pitch competition. And it was really about women who, um, who, who started a business after the age of 40 um, and, and their criteria was, and, and their theme was really reinvention and resilience. So mm. that was what I, I, won that one for which was which was very nice and then my company won one which was from the leading age organization of california which represents not-for-profit senior living communities and they gave us our uh, an innovation award earlier in the month so yeah it's been a there's there's been some nice you know highs in in 2000 uh, in october for me which (laughs) we don't get that many of right now so um and just in terms of everything that's going on so they were they were nice days definitely yeah it was awesome so i want to dig into the oxytocin advantage but before we go there um tell us about SingFit because I absolutely love the concept and when you're sharing with me I was like oh wow that just resonates on so many different levels so tell us what SingFit is sure so it it, with SingFit what we're doing is we're scaling music as medicine and the way that we do that is we've digitized an evidence-based music therapy practice and this is and, and speech therapists as well and what this is, is it's where um, a, a, a speech therapist or a music therapist actually feeds the words um, of a song to a singer right before they need to sing them. And the reason that this is important is because singing has a lot of different kinds of benefits, both um, you know, neurologically, um, physiologically, and um, also, uh, you know, did I say neurologically? Um, <laughs> the funny one not to have said, right? And neurologically. So for example, this technique was used with Congressman Gab- Gabriella Giffords when she had left hemisphere brain trauma. And because when you have left hemisphere trauma, you, you frequently lose the ability to speak because speech takes place primarily in the left hemisphere. However, um, uh, singing takes place in the entire brain. It uses a lot of redundant systems. So mm. even when you can't speak, you can often sing. And so what a, what a music therapist or speech therapist, somebody who's, who's good with music will do, um, will, uh, uh, excuse me, occupational therapists who, are, who integrate music into their practice will do is they'll play a song and then they'll feed the words of the song right before the person needs to sing. This is what happened to Gab- Gabrielle Giffords. And then brain plasticity takes over and actually reroutes where speech takes place in the brain. Wow. So the, the challenge is, is that there's only um, 7,000 music therapists in the country and only a limited amount of, of you know, speech therapists who know how to, to use music effectively. Um, and, and that's a shame because in addition to sort of the, the, the neurological benefits of singing, um, you also get, um, there's also a neurochemical uh, benefit. So it releases serotonin, oxytocin, um, which we're going to talk more about today, um, endorphins, dopamine, all those feel-good chemicals that we try to really manipulate to make into anti-anxiety and um, antidepressant and antipsychotic drugs. So it also has respiratory benefits and immune therapies and all of these kinds of things, uh, immune benefits. And so what we do is is we take the SingFit app and then we have uh, deals with all of these um, music publishing companies, everybody from, you know, Sony and Peer and BMG and, um, uh, and uh, Universal Music. We have deals with them. And so we put all of this music that fits this prompting process into an app. And then we create 
uh, protocols and trainings around specific um, conditions to achieve certain um, goals and benefits for people who have that condition. So right now we're focused primarily on dementia and cognitive decline, but we're moving out also into Parkinson's and, um, and general population health and, and, and well-being as well. Mm. So, so I, I, that may have been a slightly longer answer than you're looking for, but that's what we do. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just awesome because, you know, I think most of us can relate to, you know, music is something that we turn to that makes us feel good. You know, you have your favorite song. It just always makes you feel better. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you turn on the, the music and, and jam to it while you're cleaning house or, or running or but it's cool to see and and see kind of the that there is a science behind hey this is why it's good for us and how can we use that for the people that we love um so that's pretty awesome yeah and it's i mean you know we definitely have what we do on our side but and just in general right now you know people um listening to music is great actively making music so even if you're you know, maybe not in our direct demo right now, which is over 65, you know, singing on a regular basis for you, however you do it, making music is, is great um, as well. Um, it's worth a little extra effort um, mm-hmm. from a mental health standpoint to do as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's, yeah, I just, I love that. Now, uh, being a, an entrepreneur and kind of um, creating music health technologies and SingFit, that was kind of, um, you came by that naturally from what I understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the idea for SingFit uh, really and musical health technologies really originally came from my dad. Um, my dad, as I wrote in this blog when we won the leading age thing, my dad is what you, you know, kind of we called a crazy inventor. Now it would be much fancier and he would be a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> um, but he had tons and tons of different ideas all growing up. And one of them stemmed from uh, he, he sang opera. He was an opera student and he used to sneak off base in, um, in New Jersey for basic training and go to his opera lessons in New York. And there's a guy on the, in the opera, at least in those days, because this is the 60s, who would actually prompt the words of the song to singers right before they needed to sing them if he knew they were weak in the lyrics there. So my dad being sort of the, the crazy inventor that he was, was like, I want the opera prompter in the car with me. I want this little <laughs> electronic gadget. I want this thing. And of course, you know, Steve Jobs was like five years old and he mm. was still like cassettes were still the new wonder thing, right? So it wasn't like the tech infrastructure was there. And so, yeah, my brother and I say basically that my dad um, genetically engineered us to <laughs> um, bring this idea to fruition uh, and uh, he <laughs> and socially. And, um, I, you know, I really went into technology and my brother um, due to really the, the very, uh, not tragic because he's alive and fine now, but at the time, um, very challenging accident of a friend of my brother's when they were about 19, um, who was in a coma with brain trauma, Andy, my brother discovered music therapy and became a music therapist. And so while my dad did have some inkling about the benefits of music as medicine and singing as therapy, um, he, Andy actually went and studied and became one of those 7,000 music therapists. And he came home one day and was like, you know, that weird lyric prompting idea of dad's, it's actually mm-hmm. used, you know, for everything from, you know, people on the autism spectrum to, you know, it, you know increasing mood, you know, for, for people with anxiety and depression. So um, we decided at some point we all sort of came together and said, it's, it's time to make this thing happen. And, and we did. 
Wow. Uh, you know, there's there's so much that goes into um, creating a, a service and a, and a business like this. And it's kind of ongoing. I can imagine that. I mean, it's not it's not something you can can create once and then walk away from. Right. I imagine that this is an ongoing yeah. um, uh, an effort from all of you. From all of us. I mean, we have a, we have a very hardworking staff who's who there's about 10 people on the team now. Um, and I guess 10 people on the team and, um, and, and yeah, now everybody's working from home. We do have, still have an office and one person goes into the office because we do strangely enough as a technology company for our, uh, the right now we're launching a new product, but our, our first product was named it the senior living communities and we send them things every quarter. So we're mm -hmm. like, you know, we're still kind of old school in that we still have to have space um, to be able to do that. So uh, one of our staff goes in every day, but yeah, it's, um, it is, it's an, it's an ongoing, um, you know, not only wanting to make the product better and better and the solutions better, better and make more of them. And then also added on to that, you know, our, unfortunately our, customers, clients, they are serving people who are 65 plus who are mm -hmm. either the most vulnerable to COVID. So we're sort of having to constantly adapt to mm. that as well. So it's, but it's come, it's, it's actually revealed some great opportunities as well. So that old saying, you know, every, yeah. Yeah. So well, tell us, because when, when we, you and I talked um, about a month ago and, you know, I love to talk about SingFit just because it, uh, maybe because I like music, like music, it just resonates with me so much. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I'm fascinated by that. But during our conversation, in fact, it was toward the end of our conversation, you said something that I was just like, oh, wow, that is, it's spot on. Because I talk about, not not as a feministic statement, but I talk, of, I like to talk about, particularly in the podcast, that women have a natural strength toward being caring and nurturing and that's a strength in leadership because leadership is based on relationships and women just mm -hmm. naturally tend to be more relational and so you had the most awesome term for that so tell us about that because that just gets me excited great um yeah so i always say i'm like just enough of a nerd to have a favorite neurochemical and <laughs> mine is oxytocin and uh, one of the things um, that uh, we touched on in our other conversation too is I have this weird master's degree in this thing called future studies and it's the study of the probable possible and preferable future and uh, part of it is about you know the study of change and and you know I came to know about oxytocin then and it actually connects with SingFit because singing produces oxytocin mm -hmm. um, but but to get to the, the core of it is oxytocin um, is, an, is a neurochemical that, that both men and women have. Women have it um, more abundantly and it is sort of the, the corollary to testosterone, mm -hmm. um, if I may say that. <laughs> and and it's, it's this idea that, you know, and, and women has testosterone too, women have testosterone too, they just have it in lower levels of men. And this is really what it takes to like, um, go out there and, and, and kill the saber tooth tiger and win <laughs> and, you know, really be able to, um, you know, really be able, it, it, it causes people to want to build and make, um, you know, really great leaps. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is a, this is a great part of life and living and everybody should 
should want to do those things as well if that's on their side. However, oxytocin um, is the, what they call the, the sort of love neurochemical, um, but it's also that, that trust and, and connective neurochemical. And so women give it, uh, women produce it the most when they're pregnant. So it's, it's what connects mother mm. to, to child in vitro. Um, and, and then it, it also is once, once a child is born, sort of that feeling of connectedness that, you know, mother's rapport um, of having with that, with that newborn baby, um, it's, it's really because they're giving up these really high levels of, of oxytocin, especially um, potentially even, even more if they're breastfeeding, because that's one of the other things that, that releases oxytocin. Mm. And so, but the thing is, is there's other ways to get oxytocin besides this, which is the good thing about it. Um, it's just one of the most potent. And so we produce oxytocin um, when we pet animals, just simply, you know, holding hands with somebody or giving, you know, somebody a hug also, you know, physical touch um, releases oxytocin. And that's a big part of what has mental health um, you know, mental health um, professionals really concerned right now because people are really missing a lot of that touch, which releases, you know, oxytocin and um, and makes us feel good. It makes us feel socially connected to things. Mm. And um, and so you also um, get it from eating chocolate, which is why maybe many of your <laughs> listeners are maybe feeling you know greater chocolate urges than normal lately. Um, and you get it from singing. You get it from interacting with animals. That's why people have such deep. One of the reasons that that, that people have such deep connections with their animals is because not only are they producing oxytocin, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the animals are too. Although I actually don't have the scientific backup for that. That might be our projection. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to get it, and, yes. but women, women tend to get it and give it in higher levels. Yes. And, and this is the thing is that we, we just have it more naturally in our systems. And so the way that I talk about this really in, in context of, of business is I call it the oxytocin advantage because like what part of, part of the reason that I mentioned future studies and, and also testosterone is that part of the, the challenge that I think is going on in the world right now is that economics has been, <laughs> has been very, I, I prefer to use the word testosterone rather than like using male or men, just because I, I don't want to blame it on all men. Right. 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 Wanna, right? <laughs> and so, but this, but this very sort of testosterone driven idea of I must win, it's a zero sum game. And I, mm. I talk about it in terms of single bottom line economics that, that the idea is, is that the only way to measure your success is economically, right? So in, in the state of California and, and a lot of places, you, when you create a company and you take investment, you, you are actually legally bound to make money for that organization. That's supposed to be your absolute first priority. Oh, wow. But that... Right. And so that ignores is what I'm doing. Not good for society, not good for um, the, the, the health of our ecosystem mm -hmm. and all of these kinds of things. And it's not to say that you, but the point is, is that most people give some attention to all three, but we can also see those cases where they're really not right, where people are really just looking at that single bottom line. And, and so the single bottom line um, is challenging, it, it is challenging for several reasons. You know, one of which is is just that 
you know, you, it, it, everything gets, so for your, well, for, for, from a perspective of a, of a, a government economy, if you're talking about a single bottom line, then everything that's even wrong with that society goes into that single bottom line, into that GDP. So, so our gross domestic product includes car crashes and people needing to be in hospitals and more PPE um, equipment. It means it looks like we're spending a lot of money, but it doesn't mean that we're doing really great job to provide really nice lives for, for people. Mm. And so, and so I think that when you talk, so, so, so while we may have a lot, we really don't necessarily have like Bhutan measures its Bhutan measures its sort of self, um, not by gross national product, but by gross national happiness, right? Are people happy? Are they fulfilled? All of those sorts of things. And so I think that women in general, and and or let's say the, the when people have a lot of oxytocin, let me put it that way, when people <laughs> lean into their oxytocin, because I do know men who lean into their oxytocin, mm -hmm. um, you know, more than others, when you lean into that, you're, you're more willing to communicate, cooperate, come up with what's best for everybody. And one of my favorite statistics on this comes, um, you know, from the, the, um, from Congress um, from I think 2017, where uh, where basically women made up 25% of the Senate, and yet they got more bills brought to the floor, they got more um, bills into committee, and they got more bills passed than the 75% of men. And I think this is because, like you were saying at, at the beginning, we're more willing to sort of work together to come up have the tendency I try to be very I try to be very <laughs> politically correct when I talk about these things we have the tendency to to want to create I think what is called a prefer what is called a preferable future right mm. and we have more of an alignment on, on what that is so in future studies we talk about the probable possible and preferable futures so the probable future is the future everybody thinks is going to happen so in the 1950s everyone always thought computers would be in it as big as a room Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's all these possible futures being built, whether it's through technology and miniaturization or whether it's through legislation and new laws getting passed about the Internet, whatever it is, um, the environment, economics, there's all these possible futures being built. And sometimes we can see that, like, sometimes they don't happen exactly the way that we thought and then they don't go so well either sometimes, <laughs> right? Like, we all thought the Internet, when we were building it in 1996, we were like, this will democratize the world. Mm. And, then, and then you get companies that actually, you know, are helping to, you know, do the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so what I really like is, is preferable futures, right? And this is the idea that either on your own, um, or m m more practically as a group, you come together and you decide what is that preferable future, right? And, and usually people want kind of the same things if you can get them to speak the same language, which is the really difficult part. And that's um, where trust and connection comes in. And that's where trust and connection comes in. That's exactly right. And so, you know, things, you know, people are willing to sit and listen and not have to, you know, necessarily dominate or correct or, you know, um, re-explain in some way that might <laughs> cause issues. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so I, I have a lot of, you know, I, I, I try to have a lot of faith that, you know, we will be able to stick true 
to these sort of methodologies and stick true to our oxytocin advantage and not necessarily I mean, I just, you know, remember all of the, you know, big shoulder suits, the women who my mom worked with, right? Like we don't, you can still wear a big shoulder suit. It's very fashionable. But when women in the 70s, you know, really had to emulate men, at least in dress in the workplace, I think that we don't necessarily need to, to emulate men um, or, or the masculine or the testosterone in the way that we do business and that we can create a more preferable future that way. Um, but sometimes that means giving stuff up, right? Like it, it might not be as much money. Theoretically, it's possible for, um, there's, there's ways that we can still have the abundance and the things that we want, um, but we just have to, we just have to think about how we're creating them and how we're designing them so that they're not also detrimental. Mm. So one of the things that I talk about is because women are just a little more relational, they have the, you know, more oxytocin. There's also a need for us to balance that with getting results, right? I mean, we want to, we want to get along, we want to get along with other people, but we also, especially when you're in business or working in someone else's business, even, I mean, there's a need, you know, the, the business might not exist solely to make money, but yeah. to be a business, you do have to make some money. Yes, how do, do women, yeah, how do, how do women, or what's your advice to women to how to balance that, that relationship with getting results? Oh, so, so the thing is, is it's a, it's a very, it's a very load. It's a, it's a very complex question is what I would say. It's a very interesting <laughs> and complex question, because I think that, um, you know, this, I, so, so what are results? Right. So mm -hmm. I, I would have to sort of break it down that way, because that re that really means different things um, for different types of jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, if you are I'm just going to go right for the like you are like a hard driving salesperson who has, you know, you know, goals for a month. And, it, and it's this very sort of this very sort of vigorous, vigorous thing. That's different, let's say, than somebody who is working in a job where um, where their their metric, right? Mm -hmm. Their metric is, can you bring this kind of group together, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Right, in right. In order to right, and so so when you talk about how do you balance that, I think the ideal answer to that. Um, is <laughs> I'm gonna give a shameless plug if you don't mind for <laughs> Joanna Bloor, who actually um, is the person who who initially connected us. Um, I had Joanna, Joanna on the podcast. Um, it's been oh. uh, several weeks ago, but yes, so, her potential. So, so yes, and so to me, you know, if you look at Joanna's work and the work that she's doing, she's really trying to help people figure out who they are and what they want to do, right? Because that way, if, if you are more aligned with what it is you want to do, then I think your question, which is like, how do you balance needing to get results with that oxytocin? Well, or let's say with your own neurochemical balance, like I, I'll give an, I, I'll give a very random shout out to this woman, um, Mandy Cole, who I worked with years and years ago. And she is like the most, she has a married name now too, but I think that might be your married name. But anyway, she's one of the most phenomenal salespeople that I've ever met. So, you know, my, and, and so is Joanna, right? So it's not to say that the, the, you know, obviously that women can't do those jobs, but you have to figure out like, 
where your balance is for, for what it is that you want to do. And that's what Joanna does. She's like a, you know, fairy godmother and potentialist. Yeah. Um, but so I would say that would be like the ideal. However, <laughs> we don't all have access to Joanna, although she does have a lot of content on the internet. Um, but, but, you know, if you are in a job and you're finding yourself kind of conflicted between that, you know, I think that, oh, the old answer is um, you just have to be better at your job mm. than other people, right? And I know this isn't, this isn't necessarily what, what, what people want to hear, mm-hmm. um, but, but I think that sometimes, you know, as women, we, we do have to, A, work harder. I think that that's the old school legacy answer and it still holds true. Um, but I think that also the, the, the secondary answer to that is learning how to speak other people's languages. Mm-hmm. I think that if you are able to, sometimes a lot of things are really more miscommunication. And I, I have this very funny situation where I have these meetings and the, there's, there's three other people in the meeting and it'll be the, the let's say the center person is presenting. And sometimes they'll present in one way and the one of the other people will come out and be like, that was the worst meeting I was ever in. And the other person will be like, that was the best meeting I was ever in. <laughs> and then the next week, it'll be exactly the opposite. And I'm like, it was just in the, and I just sit there and listen. And, and, and it was just in the way that he was communicating. And I learned this at, at, at City Search, which is um, at City Search, I was an editor. And um, these were city guides, like Yelp written by people who got paid to write essentially mm-hmm. in 1996. And, and, and even within a creative, within a creative department like that, even those, you know, even, you know, you can use a lot of emotional language in mm. those situations. Right. And then, you know, I, this, I believe this is the way to go. I like this better. This just feels right. And editors are like, okay, <laughs> right? like, <laughs> male editors, female editors, you know what I mean? Like everybody would sort of accept that language. And then I had to go talk to the engineers, you know, to the guys who wrote the code. And they would just kind of stare blankly at me when I talked emotionally or they, would, they wouldn't they would understand what I was saying. And I realized, oh, I just have to be very factual with them, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I guess to some extent, some people would potentially call this maybe code in, in the vein of code switching. But I think when you're talking about your job and, 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 and wanting to do well at it, I think sticking to the guns of this is the reason why it's better to do it this way, <laughs> right? Mm. Like we may gain, you know, we may, we may, you know, lose it. Let's just say there was something, it, it, it's interesting because the, you know, all of the statistics point to um, women leaders do better on, on the revenue front. They do better on the social impact front, they do better on a, a, a ton of these fronts. It's just not necessarily perceived that way. And so I think it's, it's just really um, sticking to your guns about what you want to do, but just realize, figuring out how to communicate it with people. Is that a really long way of communicating that you, it, you, it, that would be one of my, my things is don't change who you are. Just learn how to communicate it in a way that other people can understand and and appreciate. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of some some of the same things that Simon Sinek talks about and and start with why, right? Finding finding your why and and bringing that into 
living that out in some way really helps you be authentically you. But once you find that, you've you've got to hold on to it and and be on a on a unapologetically you authentically and and unapologetic for it and not because you want to run over someone else but just yeah you know one of my favorite quotes is um howard thurman's don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who've come alive yeah i mean it's it's very true and and you're gonna do you're gonna do your best your best work that way i i always I do, I am a little bit, um, you know, what makes you come alive and, and also making sure, and this is just my own personal, there's a thing called a normative futurist and, a, and, and a, an applied futurist. And a futurist who's applied is usually working for a company. So whatever their ethics and morals are mm. um, is what that futurist's ethics and morals are. Um, I'm more what's called normative, which is I come to the sort of table with a set of, with, with a set of ethics and and things that I've established, right? And Hazel Henderson, who's a mentor of mine, um, who's in her 80s now, calls this um, your electronic bird whistle, right? It's it's absolutely defining who you are in such a way. Joanna has has different ways that she talks about this too, but Hazel talks about it in defining, you know, who you are. So specifically that that people only people who are ready to hear that or want to hear that will will you know sort of come your come your way and so the reason that i'm saying this is i I do think it's about finding what it is that you know makes you come alive i think that the state and place of the planet though also requires us to think us to think about what's going to keep not necessarily the planet alive because it'll it'll stay here after us but human beings that will allow human beings to thrive Mm. um, on the planet as as we do what makes us thrive because a lot of us you know, I mean, there's, there's sometimes things that we can do that make us come alive that aren't that, aren't that great for the world at large. And I do not mean to sound um, high horsey. And certainly there's things I can always do better in my life and be better at. But I do think that that is something that the people need to, you, the, the great thing about it is you can probably still do that thing. It's just, it's just, you have the, the, the need to think about how to do it and not just say, oh, I'm going to, let's say start a clothing company, but not worry about, are there, are there, you know, is there child labor <laughs> that's working on this? Mm. Is this I agree with you. I think that, I think the sentiment is correct, but I think a lot of people don't think about it in a thoughtful yeah, manner. I agree yeah. with you. And I think our, I honestly think when we find our true calling it, it's got to be, helping someone else right our true purpose in life has got to be giving back I think well I think Um, you have a lot of oxytocin (laughs) that is why (laughs) that is your answer Um, maybe so (laughs) and and not everybody there are a lot of people who don't think that way and that's you know why um frankly you know um what they what what they call like um sin stocks right so, and, and I'm not saying these things held in individuality are a particular sin. I have no, no judgment. It's just the term of the thing, but things, you know, like cigarettes and, um, 
you know, alcohol and gambling and all of those kinds of things, um, those do better than regular companies mm. a lot of the time, right? And so the, the people who are doing those things, like all in moderation, I hold no judgment to anybody, whatever, you know, it gets you, gets people through the day. Um, but just that term of, you know, hey, look, are you, you know, are you creating cigarettes that are going to give people cancer? A lot of people are, are okay with that. I yeah. Do do that. And and again, no judgment, especially if people need to support families. I right. It. But it's hard to think that that's your God created calling. Exactly. exactly. You know, from just my, just my opinion. So Rachel, that this is awesome. Um, okay. Anything that I didn't ask you relative to an oxytocin advantage that I should have asked you? Um, you know, I think, I think the, the thing that I would say is, no, I think you asked me all of it because I think that I probably went on, on, uh, yes, here's, here's the, here's the one thing you didn't answer, you didn't ask me, but really I could have answered it at any time, which is, um, you know, when you asked, you know, sort of advice about how do you, you know, Uh how do you make these things happen at work is I would say, you know, keep in mind, it's not easy. Um, it, you won't be able to do it every time, you, you know what I mean? Sometimes you're gonna, you're gonna lose at it and, 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 you know, not be able to, to convince people. And some of those are really low stake little, Hey, you're in, you know, you're batting around an idea and, you know, yada, yada. And, you know, okay, you, you can't, you know, whatever your, let's use not non-toxic paint or something like that, gets, <laughs> you know, pushed off the table, um, even though you were pushing for it you know, to, to things that have, you know, a a lot higher stakes, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're not going to be able to get our points across. Um, and that's okay because it's, 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 it's in balancing your own personal need for home and safety and food and all of those kinds of things, which is perfectly legitimate with, um, you know, I'm still going to put up the fight. Mm. Right. But know that sometimes you ain't going to win. <laughs> right. And that's part of the learning and, and growing as exactly. humans is we, unfortunately, we learn, sometimes we learn more from our mistakes and our misfires, but, but hopefully we are able to learn and grow. And, and that's just the circle of life. hundred percent. My, the very last thing I'll say is my, my, one of my favorite futurists and my professor from uh, the university of Houston um, in futures is I love the way that he graded papers, which is you would take these classes and you would turn them in and you would very rarely get an A. Mm. And then at the end of the semester, he would give you all your work back or you would have it. And he would say, okay, now you can redo it based on everything that you've learned uh, through, through the semester. And then he would grade it again. Oh, wow. And so as long as you sort of put in some work and, you know, you know, put added to new insights and, and saw that you were really paying attention, you'd, you, you typically end up with an A mm. um, and, or it, I guess at least I would, I don't know, <laughs> else, but, um, I would typically end up with an A and, um, and I would say that would be my approach to this kind of thing. I would think that's an approach to resilience, which is, you know, no, you might not get it right the first time but the the more you learn the more you practice it the mm. better you'll do absolutely and that's something uh, i think as leaders as women as entrepreneurs it's uh, we're not you know it's something as people you know it's something that we just have to be determined is 
try again, try again and, and keep try going. Again. I know, I know. And it's, and, and it's challenging in these, in these times, but I think, you know, the, the reality is, is people, you know, we need it more than ever. People can absolutely a better place. Rachel, thank well, you so much for your time. I just know you've gotten given us some gold nuggets to, to, I've got to go back and listen and, and look at my notes and, and, yeah. uh, Look, listen at, how, at all of the wisdom that you shared. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you so much, Ria. And, um, you know, hope everybody out there is, is well. So um, thank you so much. Yeah. How can anyone get in touch with you if they want to learn more about SingFit or, or anything like that? Yep. So it's uh, all of the, the URL is just www.singfit.com. And then on social, we are typically, we are SingFit all spelled out. So if you don't really have an Instagram, I'm sorry, we'll get one. <laughs> I started the social media and the Shoemaker's Children Never Have Shoes. So um, but you can catch us on some of the other channels. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put the, the links in the podcast notes as well. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. And um, congratulations again on the Luminary Award and the SingFit Innovation Award. Uh, exciting news. And um, take care. You too. Bye. Bye.